What's up, my friend? Welcome back to another episode of the Mark Rove Podcast. You know, this is such a pleasure and an honor for me to do. I get to dive really deep into people's minds and hearts and understand them more fully as I do the beautiful, intentional work of understanding myself more fully, and in turn, all of us doing that together. I think that's the beautiful truth that is self-awareness and self-discovery, is that the our own internal healing is the healing of our planet. You know, it's the ripple effects, the wakes of the ship that wash off into the distance. And of course, as you get um, more degrees of Kevin Bacon, I think that's the saying, <laughs> away from you, the ripple is less and less, but the impact of the people directly in your life is profound. And resistance to your change is actually evidence of its impact. And that's sometimes a challenging thing to bear because we know that our, we are still biologically connected to this experience of attachment and rejection. And so when we have created a self that is about pleasing others, when we create a self that is seemingly disappointing to others, there is this really interesting reclamation that's occurring, which is no longer do I let you be in charge of my self-worth. I'm in charge of my self-worth. But remember, the old part of you, the defense mechanisms, the survival strategies that you created, the mask you, you put on that were there to be loved, to be safe, to live in the systems and all those things, that part of you still needs to be acknowledged as it passes, as it dies, so to speak. And so you'll notice that in change, this transitionary period that feels so much resistance, just like when you're trying to change a relationship that's not fulfilling as you're having harder conversations, there's resistance because the old part of you that placed your worth in whether the relationship was working or not has to die because your worth is in how you show up to the relationship, how you show up to yourself, that the truths that live within you are beginning to be expressed and manifest in the truths outside of you and the evidence of how you live your life. And so that's why the work is not for the faint of heart, because it requires a space where you move away from your evolutionary programming and you claim yourself. And as you claim yourself, that rebellion that's earned internal is actually a collective rebellion. And that's where we see movements. Movements that are about rehumanizing, that are about creating balance, that are about having an equal experience across the human experience. So what a beautiful time to dive into inquiry, to further go deeper within ourselves, to want to understand ourselves more fully with grace, with love, with compassion, to know that the parts of you that you may not have liked um, for how they showed up or decisions you made or any of those, to actually meet those parts with grace and say, thank you. Thank you for getting me here. I don't like how you did it every time but I love you for doing it, for being there, for cultivating this life, for getting me to this place where I can now look back and say thank you because everything we have been through together got us here and invited us to just become a better and better human. And, you know, it is postulated, 
which I actually, I've always wanted, I keep wanting to use that word more and more. It's postulated that, you know, you come here for a curriculum. And, you know, it's like you come here for class and you don't want to read. Come here for class and you don't want to study what you were given. But that's what the life path is. To me, really, is this invitation. Can you become the best version of you through your trials and tribulations? And so we continue that. And thank you for being in it with me. You know, I've been really uh, stepping into the space of, do I really want to do that thing? Do, do, which parts of my work really light me up? What am I? Where is my joy moving towards? What things are feeling like just not a hell yeah? And when you start to follow that feeling, that feeling of, oh, maybe I should stop that or maybe I should start that, you really do put yourself in this beautiful space of alignment, this beautiful space where, you know, it's it sounds woo-woo to say, but man, the the universe has a way of just catching truth, of just curating truth, of creating opportunities. And that's when you start to let go and just trust in the flow of how everything works, you know, you really, it starts to work. It's a mind fuck. You know, I wish it didn't sound so esoteric, but it is a bit of a mind fuck that as you follow that, and I... I you know, I, the only thing I can really equate it to is like a tree doesn't think of where it has to grow. It just grows because it goes for light. It goes for nutrients. It goes for, but it doesn't question it. It's not like, oh, you tell me to grow over here. I don't want to grow over there. You know, that's, and, and I think so much of our pain is derived from the, the denying of the truths that live within us. And so we see this parallel life that's possible, which is, remember, not to say, Oh, the grass isn't always greener and the, you know, all that kind of stuff that we get resistant. That's our automatic, well, not all the time. And you can't just go blowing and you can't just do that. And you can't, it's like, but how can you? If some, if everything was possible, what's possible? How can you navigate your life and wake up with some sense of grace and some badass fucking boundaries? How can you? When everyone says you have to be a certain way, you don't. That's the beauty of it. You don't. And this week we explore that conversation of freedom, expansion, relationship with a guy that I have had the honor of getting to know through Instagram for years. Oh my gosh, I've started following him years ago. He's a really fantastic writer. And just, and I had never actually spoken to him but I knew I wanted to and seen something. I know he started to do more videos and then I was really connecting to the videos he was doing and wanted to bring him on here because I know he has so many fans, so many people who just love his work and his work has really helped save their lives and helped them find more fulfillment and freedom and relationship and, and just everything. And we really get into it and it's a beautiful conversation and I'm so excited to share it with you. And I also wanted to leave you with the note before we begin that, man, sending you love wherever you're at. Remember, wherever you're at, you're in the perfect place, the perfect place to continue to just pick up the pen and keep writing and just accept where you are in life, where you are at in life so that you can stand on the solid ground of the truth and just keep going. And if you're kicking ass, congrats. Keep kicking ass. And if you're in the bit of the depths, remember, 
to keep swimming. Because, man, I promise you, there's it always comes through. It always does. And those lows are such the deep gifts of getting to know ourselves and getting to build upon who we are once we surrender and give ourselves permission to be that. I wanted to take a quick break in this episode to talk to you about the greatest struggle that people have in dating. And that is asking the right questions. And not just the right questions, but asking hard questions. Questions that determine if someone wants what you want, what you are, what your relationship status is, that that deepen vulnerability and intimacy. And ultimately, asking the right questions allows you to get to know someone on a deeper level, gets to know their values, get to know whether they're a good fit for you. Now, I recognize that when I get feedback on asking questions, people say that's too hard to ask or it's too soon to ask that or whatever the excuse or thought, or feeling, or fear might be. And so I thought, shit, let me ask the hard questions. And that's why I created Create the Love Cards. Create the Love Cards is created with such intention for you to deepen your conversations on dating. And because of that, the deck, when you open it up, it fits two smartphones. So you can put your phone inside the box as you take the cards out so you can both be present. Now, if someone doesn't want to play, I'm like, swipe left. That's a red flag. Like, who doesn't want to play a game? Second, I've got it in four sections. So we've got foreplay, diving deeper, too much information, because would it be a deck from me if it didn't have TMI, and building chemistry. So there's four sections for you to explore the landscapes of one another and see if you're a good fit. If you want to have deeper conversations, if you want to take this deck of cards on your dates or on your date night, or you think this would be a good gift for a couple then go to createthelove.com slash cards. I put them at a really accessible price of 30 bucks and I can't wait for you to check them out. They've received rave reviews. People are loving them. I have actually one friend who took them out on its second date with someone that she was hitting it off with. And after she got the answers to the questions that the deck provided, she realized that this person was not a good fit and swiped left and now is in a relationship with someone she loves. So that's what dating is about, is it's about filtering. And also my intention is to support you along that journey to not just finding the person that you want, but if you're with them, asking the questions that help create and deepen intimacy. So go to createthelove.com slash cards and grab a set now. So without further ado, here is Sylvester McNutt. I really just wanted to get know, to know more about you, your work, and then also like what you see in relationships today. I mean, you're immersed in, you, you like me, get all the questions and all the feedback and all the same yeah. issues. Yeah. And just a different perspective. And the, cause how many books do you have out now? Eight. God damn. <laughs> That's great. So is most of your work traveling around with your your book, like speaking about your books or speaking about love or what is it? Man, it's tough to say. It's a tough, that's a tough question, honestly. It's like my work is really more me exploring ideas, things that I'm interested in, things that I need to learn, things that I'm trying to understand. Um, I'm a, I'm a more of an introspective writer and I just like to introspect ideas to, I guess, find my own truth within those ideas, you know? You live in this world where everyone gives you ideas on how things should be and should go, but everything doesn't work for me. You know, everything that everyone else thinks doesn't work for me. And so 
I've always been a very like introspective person. And I've always just been very curious about like finding my own path. And essentially like that's my main message is to, to, you have to find your own path. You know, it's not necessarily like, I don't want your relationship to be what I think it should be. You know, I want you to, Mm -hmm. I want my work to help you find your own truth of what it should be. You know, not just your external relationships, but the relationships you have with yourself too. And so that's, that's really essentially like, I guess we'll say like my root, like what, what I'm, what I'm trying to get out. Man, the, all of what you just said resonates so much with me and the the sort of journey for me has been uncovering what I was taught that is not what I want, mm-hmm. figuring out who I am. And there's so many layers underneath all of that. You know, I find that as I peel away one and I'm like, oh, I've <laughs> actually, I don't do this anymore, but I used to be like, okay, I think I kind of got this figured out. And then yeah. you realize that the moment you say, I think I got this figured out, you get a cosmic two by four to the head to remind you <laughs> right. that you don't know. You think you got it? Let me show you you don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what started you on that journey of, of, um, of writing these truths, of being introspective first, but then sharing your introspection? Because I'm sure those were two separate times. So it started in, in, in youth. As a as a kid, I was a, I was addicted to reading. Like I just loved reading. Um, R. L. Stein was my first favorite author, the writer, the Goosebumps writer. I mean, I would read those books every day. And then you know, like Berenstain Bears, and then I like I would read The Giver. That was one of my favorite novels. Um, I would just read, man. I would read the dictionary, the the source. Like I would just pick up anything. Damn, that's a commitment to scholastic yeah. experience. Sports Illustrated. You know, I would go to the library. Every day I'll go to the library at my school and just grab, grab different books and read, check out books. And um, I was like obsessed almost with, with reading. Yeah. My mom was an avid reader. She would read like uh, John Grisham, uh, Patricia Patterson. Like she read these huge novels, but then my dad, he would read, you know, he had like the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm. Um, He had Martin Luther King's books. Um, You know, he was more into like Afrocentric books more like biography, real life event based stuff. And so I just had these like, you know, they were both readers and they would just read different types of things. So I would just pick it all up and read it. Wow. And then what ended up happening was like, I had this obsession with reading and my writing skill didn't develop yet as a, as a young kid. It was just all about reading. But then as my parents, so my parents were together when I was first born and it was healthy at first. It was I mean, I remember joking, laughing, both my parents raising me, being together. But then it took like a really dramatic turn, like a bank to the left. And I mean, it got abusive. There was a lot of, you know, swearing. It was like emotional, it was physical abuse. Uh, a lot of alcohol came into the play. And it just took, it was just crazy, just like 180 turn. How old were you at that time? So I want to say, so my younger sister, six years younger than me. So everything was good until she was about three. So about nine or 10 is when it started changing. Okay. And it was right around, yeah, nine or 10 that I started. Obviously, when you're at that age, you you start to understand things and you start processing things. And I wanted to talk to my parents about a lot of what I was seeing, what I was going through, and just like the emotional like trauma that I was developing from these situations. And they didn't talk to me. You know, they had their own they had their own things going on. They, they weren't healing themselves. They weren't, they didn't have a relationship that like allowed them to heal. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it made us suffer like as kids. And 
where I lived in the suburbs, all the kids mostly had two parent households. So like, you know, I'm going to school with people, their families are together, they're happy, everything is good, you know, regardless of like race. Like my best friend, he was black, his name was Sean. His parents are together, happy. You know, um, my other best friend, her name was Trisha White. Her parents are together. So it was like this neighborhood I lived in, everyone's parents are together and they're what on the outside looking in, they're happy. Mm-hmm. And like I'm going, to, I'm going home to hell every day. Wow. And, yeah. And, and so I wanted to talk to them, but I couldn't. Like they just wouldn't, they wouldn't let me open up. They wouldn't let me talk to them. You know, they would always say things like, you know, like my mom would always address me as boy. She'd say, "Boy, stay in your place." Like she always oh, tried wow. to say that to me. Like, "Boy, stay in your place," or you know, "Know your role." Or my dad would say stuff like, uh, "You need to stay out of grown folks' business." Like when we're talking. You don't talk. You just be, you know, stuff like, like really like demeaning me and like putting me down. So I had all these thoughts and these like, these like webs in my mind and I couldn't really get them out. So one day I was walking home and um, I went into 7-Eleven and I didn't have any money. So I stole a notebook out of 7-Eleven. And the reason I stole a notebook was because I needed to write. Like I needed to get this out. Like it, it just instinctively came to me to just write what, what I was feeling. Yeah. And so I stole the notebook. I went home and I just sat at my desk for like three hours and I just wrote. And wow. I mean, that's when writing started for me. And that first notebook, what I was writing is I was observing my parents' relationship and I was observing how they were communicating with each other, uh, what they were doing and what they weren't saying. And I was taking notes and then I was interjecting like my own ideas, because, you know, a lot, a lot of our brains, like my brain is a solution based brain. Yeah. So when I hear a problem, I'm immediately thinking of, okay, how do I fix this? Or what, what do I need to do to find out how to fix this? So I just started writing like solutions with my little 10 year old brain to how they could fix their relationship problems because it was causing us so much stress. Wow. So I ended up doing that for the next like four or five years, even up until high school, I started doing it. And then, um, when I got to high school, that's when I really took writing a lot, a lot serious where I did it every single day. And every single day I would write, I would write songs, poems. Uh, I would write, I, I would always draw football plays. That was kind of my, my, like, my first <laughs> presentation. Like yeah. I would just draw football plays because I played football. Yeah. But then most of it was writing about how I could be a better person or it was things that would just motivate me to keep going, like quotes I hear, or uh, it would be a lot about like observing their relationship. So that is the genesis of like how I started writing. Wow. The, you wrote it or you said in that part where you would observe what they were communicating, but not what they were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that there was a space between what they were actually feeling and what they were communicating. What a uh, like profound thing for a 10 year old brain to, <laughs> but to need to do that to survive, you know, to need to do that in order to make sense of everything. That's all it was, man. It was, I was trying to understand. Um, and I, 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 that's just the way I am even to this day. Like I very, I'm very curious, like why people do things. Like I'm always like my best friend, his name is Derek. He was asking me the other day and we were arguing about something. It was like, it was like four guys and you know, you know, you know how it is to get with your guy. You just, you just argue about stuff. Stuff that doesn't even actually. Yeah. It doesn't even matter, but that's just how we bond, you know? So we're, we're arguing about something and he asked me, he was like, Sly, I don't even think you actually agree with the opinion you're arguing. <laughs> Be honest with me. I was like, no, I don't. I was like, I, I don't agree, actually, with the opinion that I'm arguing. But I just I'm so curious with how you guys think about the opinions you have. So I'm just arguing the opposite so I can learn how you think. 
Mm. And then they just like they all just started laughing, and I mean that's just how my brain works. <laughs> I like I I just want to know how people think. Yeah, I remember when I uh, when I was when I first sort of began the journey on wanting to understand relationship. I was a lot older than ten. Um, I think before I just wanted to hide in relationship and not have to think about why they don't work. Or, but when I finally did start to ask questions like why do I do what I do, it was because I made a decision that. I knew I didn't want to make, but I did it. And I was like, why do people do things they don't want to do? Why do we buy certain things? Why do you know, like understanding that basis of human psyche, but bringing it back to like in the context of relationship, what you said about wanting to understand someone else's position. A lot of people don't want to understand someone else's position because they're so busy being stuck in their own position. So their argument is always about convincing you of my world but not leaving space for your world, you know? And like, really both people are right in all conflicts at first because both have a perspective of, of the world. And yeah, I'd be interested to know, like through your experience with all of the things that you've navigated and with your observing your parents' relationship, what was sort of like one of the best introspections or experiences you had from being a kid observing that? Uh, I noticed that when my parents focused on fun, it was great. It was great, man. Like me and my dad, we would go fishing. And, you know, I love, you know, salmon, sushi. Like I love that stuff now as an adult. And like, but me and my dad, we would go fishing. And I mean, we would just get on the boat. And I was terrified of the water, but because I couldn't swim. (laughs) And so he was just like, he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, just sit here, have fun. We're just going to sit here and talk we're going to fish, you know, you like taught me how to fish. I felt like, I felt like that was one of those things. Like when I look back, you know, it's like, man, that was one of those, like, I'm teaching you how to be a man type of moments, you know, teaching me how to fish. Like me and my mom, my dad, we would always go to the park. We'll go to the park and they just let me run around. We would throw the Frisbee. I remember one time we were playing basketball, the three of us. And um, we were just playing, just shooting around. And it was very competitive. You know, my mom was like, oh, I'm going to kick your guys' ass. And she's like shooting jump shots. She's killing it. And then my dad was like, oh, I'm not about to lose to a woman. No way. And then, like, I I made one. And then my dad's like, no, I'm not losing to a kid either. Like, it just <laughs> it got really competitive, you know. And then, like, at night, and this is, like, during the healthy times, you know, at night, we would always play cards. We would always play card games. Um, video games weren't as big, but we did have uh, – um, we had a Nintendo and then, like, a Super Nintendo. So – we would get on there and play games. So when I think about the best moments, it was, we were always just trying to have fun. You know, the best moments were just, let's just have fun, get off the the serious, dramatic topics and conversations and just, just have fun and enjoy life. Do you know what the turning point was for them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know from my perspective, I still have not been able to discover from their perspective, uh, which is one of my like lifelong quests to pinpoint exactly what happened. Um, but from my perspective, it was my father got a DUI. Uh, and when he got the DUI, the chain effects of that was, um, at this point it was three, um, me, my sister, and then my brother. And when he got the DUI, both my parents were working, but then because my, my father made more, my mother left her job so she could then transport him to work. Oh, then that, that tightened our money. I think that added stress. I think that her not working added stress because I think my mother needs to work. She's that type of person. She needs to work. 
And I don't think she was fulfilling something like from within about, you know, just, you know how it is when you're working, you have like a sense of purpose. Yeah. I think she lost that. Um, and then they both had a lot of, once that happened, they got a lot of resentment and anger towards each other, but neither one of them had a communication style where you could communicate openly. They both refused to listen. It was, they both were the type of people where what they said was gold. And if you didn't accept it, like that was it. They didn't want to talk to you. Yeah. That doesn't make for good conflict resolution, especially as a kid. Like I'm curious that now as an adult looking back, when you went to your parents with these, cause you know, like as kids, we have big emotions. It's not like we think that kids can just suppress, sit back, go to your room, go to, you know, but when you're hearing things like, you know, stay out of parent business, you know, it's so dismissive of your own emotional experience. And now looking back, like, what would you have hoped or what do you think would be the right way for it? Because, of course, there's so many parents navigating conflict and then not wanting to involve their kids or wanting to protect them from it. Yeah. What do you would you have hoped they would have said? So I want to transition to, to let you know uh, that I'm about to have my first. Son. Oh, you are. Congratulations. Yeah, Breaking news. Yeah, that's right? in and, that's um, soon. I can't wait to read so, your writing after that. <laughs> I know. It's, I know it's going to change. Um. And so I've talked about this. Mm. Um, I've talked about this a lot. Um, and one of the things that I know for a fact I want to give is I want to give respect to my kids' intuitive nature. If a kid comes to me with a question or an observation about something, I don't want to marginalize their experience because they're five or because they're 12 or because they're 18. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to them about, oh, well, that, that's above you. If you're talking to me about it, it's clearly not above you. Yeah. It's clearly something that's on your radar. And I think a lot of parents, I could be wrong, but I think a lot of parents are uncomfortable with themselves and they're insecure. And so because of that, when people when, when their kids are coming to them with topics, they don't know how to handle it because they don't know how to handle it from within with their own self. And my biggest goal with part of the reason why I'm writing the books is so I can understand myself. Mm-hmm understand my own traumas and my fears and my insecurities and uh, things that I'm just not good at. So that now that I do have this kid coming into my life, when he's ready to have a conversation with me at five or six about something that let's say sex, like I don't want to run from it. I don't want to tell him, Oh man, that's none of your business. Just, you know, go play with your Legos. So to answer your question, I just hope that I can be secure with who I am. And understand myself enough to just give him space to have whatever question he has and to give him an honest answer. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to be transparent with everything. Like he doesn't need to know the details of every single thing. Right. Because I think you you learn that through experience. But I do want to be honest and let him know, OK, well, here's what I think or here's what I feel or what do you think or feel about it? You know, and just kind of let him come up with his own his own his own ideas. Yeah. To entertain the curiosity. You know, it's such a, and and what you said I love is that the it, it's not above them if they're if they're having that conversation if they're inquiring and I think in a lot of ways we are born so open you know born so trusting born so loving and we learn to guard you know we learn to protect ourselves we learn by watching our parents we learn why do you why do you think that is why why do we you say we learn to guard and I agree with you but why. Why do we get that way? What happened? I think it's due to not getting needs met. 
you know, we learn to protect ourselves from getting pain. You know, I think it's such a fascinating, you know, if, if we don't do the work that you're doing and that I'm doing within ourselves, then we will always hit our limits. We always hit these spaces. Like, you know, you're in a conflict with your partner and, you know, they say, hey, you're being defensive right now. And if you're like, no, you're defensive, you know, <laughs> right away, your defensiveness mm-hmm. protects you from deeper intimacy. But of course, everything we do in conflict is really just to protect us from getting hurt. You know, so it's a guarded way of not being pain, but we observe it from our parents. So that's why it's, if, if we do the work, then we change the, the, the family tree, so to speak. Yeah. And it's pretty easy to become guarded in this world. You know, it's not like we, uh, for example, choose our spiritual practice. You know, you're born into a family that is Muslim, Christian, Catholic, Hindu, whatever it is. And there's a lot of things within religion that are not really pro-openness and pro, you know, be a good human, go make mistakes. It's okay if you're gay. It's okay. You know, like that's not true for a lot of religions. So right away, you are taught to become who you need to be to be safe in your family. And I, yeah. Do you have a, a religious like upbringing or now that you practice? I am a recovering Catholic, uh, but I was raised Catholic. <laughs> yeah, I was raised Catholic. And then I uh, did the beautiful journey of undoing all the uh, dogma and shame based doctrines. But the, yeah, my spiritual practice doesn't adhere to like a specific God or a specific, it is to operate in life with kindness and generosity and, and, and which is, I think, you know, it's a, important to delineate to people that there's a difference between being compassionate and being tolerant, you know, so having standards, having good boundaries. Um, what about you? Do you have a spiritual practice? Man, I, I grew up, I was forced to be Christian. Um, See, and it was, that- it was, yeah, it was weird to me, man, because I had to go to Sunday school. I had to go to church and then we had, we had Wednesday meetings and it was just. All these times you could be playing football, basketball, hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, it was very weird to me. And I had a lot of conflict. And I mean, I used to yell. I used to yell and scream at my parents, my grandmother. They they wanted me to go. They're like, oh, you need to go. You need to do this. You need to, you know, you need to pray. And it, it never felt right to me. It never felt right. And I just was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Stop making me go. Um, and eventually they listened because I, I, I used to cause problems. <laughs> and I would go and I would cause problems intentionally because I didn't want to be there. And um as an adult, I realized that, so I took a class actually, a theology class in college. I went to Northern Illinois University. And um, one of my upper level classes, they told me you could take any class you want. Um, it was a 300 level, no, it was a 400 level class. That's why it was so damn hard. <laughs> and um, Way to choose an option, so I told you, right? Like I always tried to cruise through my options. So, yeah, it's so funny because one of my best friends, his name is Will, he took bowling. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, bowling? Like how do I get that class? But they only have like 30 slots, <laughs> so I didn't get in it. So you had to so take this. I had all, like, yeah, I had to take like these hard classes. So uh, so I took world religion. Oh, wow. So glad that yeah. I took world religion because the teacher, his name was Professor Bauer. And I mean, this dude was a genius. I mean, he was a he was a genius, like the information he had. And so he was teaching us about like uh, Roman Catholicism, um, Buddhism, Christianity. But it was all objective. Uh, it was beautiful, right? Facts about. He's like, look, this is what this is how it got started. He's talking to me about, you know, like Martin Luther and the 95 Thesis and how all that started. And so I got to learn like the history of religion without the you need to be this yeah. way, you know, without the, like the claim and like 
they was one of my favorite classes. I got an F in the class because I, I couldn't retain the information <laughs> so much. But I love the class because it, it I felt like I learned a lot. And, and um now um I have studied uh some like uh Buddhism. I've studied some just individually. I I bought a couple books on it and just studied it. I like what they talk about, uh kind of what you were just alluding to, um, with just trying to have a compassionate life and just uh trying to find like the right way. Um, but I don't subscribe to any religion as like this is my religion yeah. or um, you know, this is my guide. It's more of a uh, for me, it's like more of a energy. Like I always yeah. talk about energy and it's more of an energy that I feel like, honestly, I don't think human beings could really understand what's outside of us. I really don't think we have like our brains can't do it. Power. It's a, it's a concept yeah, that this 3d thing is not capable. Your brain fractures. It's too much. You got to yeah. shoot, shoot it down like. with a tequila to just cope. Right. There's like there's just like so much happening uh, in our world that we don't understand. So like, who are we to say that we know what's happening on these other world or once we even leave this atmosphere? Like, I don't I don't know, man. You know, and then it's like when you start studying things, you start learning about like, you know, like at the astral plane and, and just how energy is. It's just like it's so deep that I can't tell you. I know the answer. But all I can tell you is that I'm trying to discover myself. And more information, you know. Yeah, and if I find that we can often sort of feel, you know, into that space that there's a feeling that is different, and I think that's really where I come back to that thought on God or religion is that I remember being young, being taught that like sex is bad, and and you know, like I remember we watched this video that was to say it was so bad. It was in grade nine, and I remember the video was in religion class. Of course, they weren't teaching us how to be empowered in our sexuality and how to, you know, use protection. God forbid anyone teach that. But they they had a thing in there where it was like, um, if you get involved in light petting, hold yourself back. And I was just like, as soon as, yeah, light petting. So that's apparently caressing a breast. I was like, first, oh, okay. like, now you're not even teaching me how to do that. So I'm going to pet it. That's just, that's not smooth. That's right. not, okay. that's not smooth. Like yeah, exactly. Like- so what's, and then of course now for kids, they, if they go to those types of education experiences or lack of education experiences, they will then um, learn about sex from porn, which is not healthy. And the other side of that is that wherever you teach that something is bad, like intimacy is bad, sex is bad. Well, you're human. So you inherently want sex because that's how we're made. And that's biology you then have to internalize that a part of you is bad. And so then sexual experiences need to be numbed with alcohol and with, and so you're not even present for these like beautiful intimate experiences. And I think what it speaks to and just like what you started off the conversation about is that you start to discover what's true for you. Like, is this religion true for me? I get to have sovereignty over that. And I feel like that is the rebellion that we're all sort of within, which is like, you don't have to be any way you don't want to fucking be. And when I read your writing, your writing is a lot about that reclamation that like stop settling for a lesser version of other people, but yourself mostly. And I'd like to know where did that, where did that originate? Cause I read those words a lot, you know, when I see your, your stuff. And, and of course people really resonate with your work. They love your work, man. It's, um, I mean, just speaking to like the sex thing, like, so the very first time I kissed a girl, actually I I didn't kiss a girl. She kissed me. 
you know, I'm walking home, this girl named Leanne, and um, we used to just walk home She's together. listening. And, and hey. I hope so. You know, I haven't talked to her in years. I would love to thank her Ooh. for the moment that she gave me. And, um, you know, she like, She's like, okay, you know, walk me up to the door. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, I, I don't really know why. Why would I walk you up to the door? Like, I got to go that way. I live that way. She's like, no, 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 just walk me up to the door. So we, like, get to the door, and I'm just standing there, and I'm just looking at her. And she's like, you know, like, she's like, you know, giving me the signal, like, come on. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you want? And she, like, just grabs me, and she, like, just slams her tongue down my throat and starts making out. This was seventh grade. She was an eighth oh, grader. damn, way to go. And, uh, yeah, you age, you know. That's a deal real right big there. deal. That, so that like, age jump for you is massive. Yeah, so I like, I walk home, get home, I walk in the door and I'm just smiling. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, and my mom's like, what are you so happy about? So I just immediately, I was like, oh, Leanne, she kissed me. We were on her doorstep. It was crazy. Her tongue was really warm. <laughs> and my mom was just like, I didn't give you permission to kiss girls. You shouldn't be kissing girls. You need to be focused on your schoolwork. And like, it was like that shame. Like instantly my very first sexual experience mm -hmm. was shame. And like, that's made me realize like, you know, I'm 34 years old right now. So that happened when I was in, you know, um, seventh grade. So I was 13. So 20 years, 20 years, I personally have spent trying to unlearn shame related to sexual desires, mm -hmm. sexual tendencies. I've had to try to unlearn that, you know, because my mother taught me, just like you were talking about, oh, you know, don't focus on these girls. These girls are nothing but trouble. Leave them alone. Leave them alone, you know? Instead of words that should have been like, you know, make sure you find someone that's yeah. good for you. Spend time with people who are good for you. What are your experiences, son? Have you had any sexual experiences yet? Like, I remember I had to get a physical for football. This was after that. And the doctor, you know, the doctor has to ha ask, are you sexually active? And so my mother's in the room and <laughs> the doctor asked, no. hey, are you sexually active? And I had kind of started being sexually active, mm -hmm. but not really. So I was just like, uh, no, no. And the doctor knew. He's like, OK, you know, don't lie. I need I need to know. Are you sexually active? And I was like, well, you know, like, you know, you know, um. You know how people with shame, yeah. that's how they talk. Yeah. They're very like, oh my God, you know. And I look over my mom and she's just like, you better not be sexually active. She's got like her glasses down and she's like <laughs> looking at me over her glasses. And I looked at the doctor. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not sexually active, you know. And it like, it just made me like fear like sex. It made me fear connecting with women. And um, I will say even to this day, it's still something that like I'm still trying to uh, understand like intimacy is still something I'm trying to like understand and like just be better at and um so that i mean there's an there's that element like just trying to like reclaim yourself but then there's another element where just being like a black person yeah. in america it can be very it can be very weird depending on, on how you think how you behave and where you are and who you come across you know certain people because i believe of certain images that are cast upon us certain certain people have certain uh, images and expectations of like how black yeah. men behave or how they talk or how they think or um, things of that nature even like just this morning when i'm out for my morning walk i did three mile walk this morning and um i usually see the same people if i leave at the same time uh but today i saw someone i never saw before and uh it was a lady and i don't blame her because she's a woman and and i'm a strong ass guy yeah of course but you know you could just see her like 
protect herself and like clench as if I had some like ill will or intent. The only intent I had was to get my three mil three mile walk in. Like I wasn't even thinking about her. I wasn't even I wasn't even aware of her presence until she got about you know ten feet in front of me. And it's just like things like that you become aware of as a mm-hmm. as a young kid um, in America in, in America, and you become aware of that and like that race element. You constantly think about that, and you constantly think of like, am I threatening to you know these these white people? Like, am I threatening to them? Do they like how are they looking at me? And it's something that, you know, it's like, I hate that America is this way. Like, I hate that it's this way. I hate that it's something that I'm going to have to talk mm-hmm. to my son about when when he starts to become like aware of it on his own accord. And I don't want shame related to sex. I don't want shame related to fear of race. I don't want any shame or, or, or guilt because of, you know, the trauma and pain that I went through because I tried to try my best to heal. I don't want any of that. What I want is the title of my last book is called Free Your Energy. I just want to be free. I just want to be myself. If I want to hang out with gay guys, I want to do that. I don't care. I'm a heterosexual male, but I had a friend in college. His name was Randy. He was cool. He was cool as hell, but he was gay. And it was like playing football. People would make comments like, oh, man, why are you hanging out with that faggot? It's like. What are you talking about? That dude is yeah. cool as hell. I don't, I don't care who he's, I don't care who he's doing, what he's doing with. That ain't none of my business. Like the dude is cool. We, he he lived on my floor in college in a dorm, so we hung out. So it's like my whole life has showed me like through different elements. Like with sex, I'm not gonna shame myself for something that's so intimate. Like you say, I'm gonna enjoy it. When it comes to race, I'm not gonna deal with other yeah. people's problems. Like if you don't like me because I'm black, that's your fault. I'm not going to stop being black. I'm not going to stop being myself. You know, I have a friend in LA who's a feminist and she, I swear she hates men. (laughs) That's not my fault. And that's not my problem. And I don't care. You know, I'm going to continue to be me and to try to do my life. And, and I just want that to carry over to any pillar or like any element of my life is like, I just want to free my energy. I'm about to be a parent. I may, someone may be, critical of me in the next coming years because I'm open-minded and I'm, and I'm going to give my kids an open-minded slate to create their own life. Someone may be critical of me of that. I don't care. I want to free my energy as a parent and I'm going to make mistakes as a parent, but I want to be free while I do it. And I want to learn while I do it. And I just want to find my path. And I accept that my path may not appease everyone else. And that's, I mean, that's my message currently to my own self and to all of my readers and anyone who can hear this. Like, you just got to free yourself, man. Like, living by everyone's expectations, living marginalized by everyone's view of who you should be. That's why we have so much depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety and unhappiness. And I don't deal with none of that because I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to be an author. I want to write books. That's what I'm that's what I want to do. You know, I got told when I was younger, oh, you know. You're a football player. You should focus on football. No, I'm going to focus on writing because that's what mm-hmm. I care about. I like football, but the reason I like football is because football allowed me to escape. It allowed me to escape the pain I was dealing with. It was never a full-time uh, situation for me. Writing doesn't do that for me. What writing does is it helps me understand everything. And that's another thing. Like any of your listeners, if any of your listeners are dealing with uh, any type of unruliness inside, you know, uh, in- insecurity, uncertainty, overthinking, um, anxiety, worry, stress. I mean, get your pen and paper mm-hmm. out. Turn your phone off. And just write. You need a writing practice to just write how you feel, 
uh, write and project how you want your life to go. Um, write a story about what traumatic thing you went through and it'll heal you. And I'm I'm speaking to you from experience because writing saved mm. my life. You know, writing has saved my life. And and I just want anyone hearing this to get a writing practice. Two things. One, get a writing practice every day. If you can't do it every day, at least once a week, dedicate to just writing to yourself, writing about how you feel, how you think to help you process your life. And then the other thing, you just got to free yourself, man. You know, you can't, you know, you can't live your life for everybody. You know, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, curse people out and say F you and I'm better than you. It's not, it's not about that. We can still be tactful and we can still be respectful and we can still have compassion for other people, <clears throat> but I can't live my life for yes. you. I just, I just can't do that. When they put me in that casket, you're not going in there with me. It's just going mm. to be me. So I need to make sure that I live the life that I want to live. You know, I just thought about yeah. something. And I'm sorry. Ram, Dude, that's, a, that's straight uh, transmissions. I'm not getting in the way of that. Let the truck flow. Let's go. <laughs> what else? So for a couple of years, I've been, you know, trying to set up different travels with people. Hey, man, let's go here. Yeah. Let's go do this. Let's do this. You know, and it's. It's like, yeah, I've traveled a lot with people, but the amount that I've traveled with people is like 10% of what I've tried to set up. And personally, I'm not going to allow myself anymore to not do what I want to do because someone didn't save their money, because someone didn't get the time off, because someone uh, backed out at the last second. You know, I had a trip booked to San Diego. It was supposed to be an annual trip with a group of guys. Uh, we had been planning it for months. We went last year. We're, we're supposed to go every December. And I love the guys, but they backed out like a week, two before they backed out. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. And I said, you know what? I'm still going to go. I ended up going by myself. I had a great time. I had a great time. And, you know, that's another thing I want to encourage people to do is, you know, I'm not telling you to live your life by yourself and I'm not telling you to travel by yourself. I'm telling you like community is everything and being with people and sharing these experiences with, with other people is literally everything. But you can't wait for people to be ready like you. Okay, we're trying to go to Spain. We know that we got to pay for lodging and get getting there. We probably need about a thousand dollars, American dollars, right? You're not saving your money, so how are we going to get there? You know what? We're not going to get there, but I'm going to get there. <laughs> I'm going to get there because I'm going to save my money because I care about doing this, you know. And that's my message, man. I just I just want people to free themselves and just to enjoy life, just enjoy life. You know, you asked me about like my parents. When it was happy, they were trying to enjoy their life. They were focused on enjoying their life. And, you know, I think too much people get too trapped into their pain and into their trauma and they become too guarded, like you were talking about. And you just, we just need to free ourselves, man. We just need to be free. We just need to, we need to just be who we are, you know? Totally. And no one's going to save us. You know, we have to save ourselves. We have to choose that this is, we're going to insert more joy. We're going to look at our trauma and our pain. And I think that's the difference. We're all obviously going to experience pain in our lives. That's inevitable. But it's what we do with it. And it's, do you want to live in suffering? You know, because living in it is suffering. And I I've said to uh, a couple of weeks ago to my friends, I was like, you know, we're all fucking Yoda. Just waiting. Like we're sitting on so much wisdom. That's unrealized from our own unique pain, our own unique challenges. And I think when we start to make what is internal, external, like through the catharsis you do in your writing, other people see that and they say, I see me in those words. You're meeting them where they're at. And really my work has been as well about like 
basically just becoming the teacher I always needed. So I'm always just teaching a younger version of me as I'm learning. Because yeah, I think, you know, you said earlier, it's like, we don't have it figured out. <laughs> no. Never have it figured out. And that's the beauty of life is to always be a student, yep. to be humble. Because life no will humble you if you don't. I don't, care, I don't care what anyone says. You cannot convince me that there is a real expert in this world. Agreed. You can't. Me personally, I feel like no matter what you do, no matter what craft you do, um, whether it's professional or person, personal, there is always room to grow and there's always room to, to learn. So like the whole yeah. idea of like being an expert or being at the top, I, I, I don't I just don't buy that. I believe that we are all students and we're yes. all just trying to learn. And some some students know more about certain things than other people and can teach those people. But that person is still a student. That person still should have a coach. That person should still have. Um, OK, we're like peers and we're we can me and you can say that we might possibly know more about certain topics like healing relationships or whatever than other people. But ultimately we don't, we still need to sharpen each other and we need to teach each other and we need to be, you know, vulnerable with each other and share stories and ideas to help each other grow. Like the whole idea of, you know, you reach this point where you got it all figured out. (laughs) It's not real. That's not a real point. No, life will humble you and remind you. I think the moment we pedestal anyone, one, we make it impossible to be like them. And we will quickly be disappointed to realize their humanness, which is so similar to what we do in the honeymoon phase of a relationship. You know, we like fall in love with the possibility and who they are and all that. And then we realize that they fart and they're real humans and they have some, you know, qualities that we don't love. Right. I got a question for you. You uh, I think in your bio, it says I post no BS relationship advice. I think that's what it says. Yeah. And I think. I think you've had that in there for years because, you know, I, I followed you for years. Same, vice versa. Yeah. Um, what, like, how did you, what, why did you write that specifically? <laughs> like, because obviously there's some, some BS out there. So like, could you just talk to me about like how you got to that point where you wanted to just, you know. Yeah. When I went to that point of like, why do I do what I do? Why am I choosing things that aren't good for me? When I just began that inquiry, because I kept choosing things that weren't good for me. I don't want to say I stopped that. Um, at that moment, but it was that I felt like no one had been telling me the truth. I felt like society had been lying to me. I grew up Catholic. So the, the standard narrative of Christianity, Catholicism, I would say most cultures, most religions up until now has been get married by a certain age, have kids by 30. If you don't do that, especially if you're female, they're sort of, you're kind of broken. And I remember learning as a kid, especially through like Disney, oh, you find someone in college you get married, you stay in love forever. Well, when my engagement ended, all of a sudden I was like, you know, because it was like getting pushed off the bus, you know, all of a sudden I wasn't on the track that everyone else was on. And I got off the bus and I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of people who are married forever who hate each other. There's people getting divorced all over the place. Like, how have I been missing all of this? You know, and that began this where I was just like, I started to study relationships and started to study the science of them, which I love what you said before about expertise, because what I also started to see is it's one thing to know something and it's another thing to do something. So someone could be like an academic expert in something, but if their life is not an encapsulation of their uh, principles or values, then really it's empty words, you know, in some way you can feel the inauthenticity of it. And I really felt like no one was telling the truth. So I was like, I'm going to tell what my truth is, what I see. 
that relationships do end. That I remember in my first talk I ever did, I was so nervous. And I remember saying, uh, not every relationship's meant to last forever. And it was like the reaction from people was like, fuck that. You know, like it's such a hard truth to hold, but it's true. Like if we look at our like grade eight relationship, grade nine, mine lasted a week. So, you know, it's, we would still be with them if they all lasted forever, you know? And, and so it really became this passion thing where I was like, enough with the fucking bullshit. Like, let's just hold truth and let's hate truth. But let's face it and own it so that if I can own this truth outside of me, then now I can have love and compassion for truths that are inside of me. And that reminded you said something earlier that reminded me of a Ram Dass quote that I just love. And it's he said, I hope I live with the integrity that the truths that live within me are expressed and manifest in the truths outside of me. And every time I don't do that, when they are not in alignment, every message I give is a mixed message, one of love and one of fear. And that became just like, I just heard that quote about two months ago before he passed. And I remember thinking like, that is the perfect expression that freedom for me is that who I am in here is who I am outside of here. That's why like, no one can write a tell all about me because I've already told all, you know, I've already like claimed my shame and put it on paper. You know, I've told embarrassing stories on stages. I've cried on stages. I've cried on this podcast. You know, I really, I don't know what the next bar is, but I'm sure it's going to come of vulnerability and openness. Um, but that's, that was a long rant answer. And I also wasn't exposed to things like Eckhart Tolle or Wayne Dyer at that point, or like, I think I was just starting, I was just starting to really get into most of the books I'd read were like how to win friends and influence people, how to get anyone to do anything. I was in sales, pharmaceutical sales. So, you know, I was all about like how to change human behavior to get things. I think I read a couple of pickup right. artist books right. too, but that's, that's on the record now. <laughs> <laughs> the art of pickup. It's a, it's, a, it's really easy. You just need to hold a conversation. That's it. Be a good kind. It's not as complicated. And be curious. Yeah, it's not, it's not as complicated as people make. If you can just talk. I mean, it's that simple. But that's a big industry, man. People, there's people making a lot of money in that industry. Yeah, that industry about uh, what I find fascinating about that industry is that pickup artist industry and also books like um, Why Men Love Bitches, which is the title of a book. I'm not saying that everyone is that it teaches people to act as if they have high self-worth. But of course, as soon as they, you know, it's like eight texts to get the guy or whatever that kind of stuff is. Eventually, what happens is you, the real you comes out when you face conflict, when you face rejection, when you face abandonment. So you can pretend to have all the self-worth in the world. But when your self-worth is put into question and into someone else's hands and their own behavior, then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how many pickup artist books you read, you're going to be you. So what, what's your like the, you know, if you had to define like your main message right now um, that one that you're giving or that you're trying to understand what's one of the like or theme what's kind of like your main theme or message currently well it was because i went through a breakup in september it was like find the beauty and the grief like really connect to the stillness of the pain that 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 pain is love and and that tr has transitioned to my own search of you know i thought i was paying attention before my breakup um but having gone through a breakup with someone who's really kind and it was really a very loving ending, I was also face to face with endings, with death, with 
with questions like we were chatting about, like, why am I here? Like, what is, what is going on here? And it's a mind fuck to even begin. And as you were saying, the mind can't comprehend this. So you have to, you are invited to surrender. And so I'm really on that, uh, that experience for me is like, get still surrender, allow who you are to be, continue to flow through you rather than force stories. That'd be mine. What about yours? I know yours is freedom. And what about beyond that? Like Uh, if you have a child coming in, is there some real deep introspection in that journey? Yeah, a lot. Um, A lot, man. When I was on my walk this morning, I actually cried. Um, Is that this would be the second? No, this would be the third time I cried this week. It's been a hard week, man. And um, I couldn't even tell you the last time I cried before this week, but I cried this morning. And on my walk, I was just thinking about the failing, just failing as a parent. And I was just Mm -hmm. thinking about letting, you know, him being in my position 30 years from now and just talking about, you know, this trauma and pain that I put him through. And just the thought of it, like, that's what brought me to tears. Like, it just Mm -hmm. just hurt me to even like the impact in me was just so hurt over just the idea of thinking that I may possibly like hurt this fresh naive human being you know and um my introspection lately has been really as a pair to be parent just like uh really just dealing with myself and just trying to get myself as mentally ready as i can to uh kind of like what you said like you have to deal with those those uh endings uh to just deal with that i'm i'm, I'm going to make some mistakes as a parent but mm-hmm that I have to just be open to accepting those mistakes, accepting the like responsibility, but then just like, just trying to learn. And I'm a very curious person. So I, I, you know, I seek out people for my podcast. I seek out information for my books and I'm just a very curious person. But like, I think this next phase of my life, I'm going to have to be very curious about seeking out other parents to talk with and to just get their ideas and their perspectives on, on their failures and successes. So I could try to interweave it into to my strategy as a parent. What a journey to go in. You know, I remember one of my old colleagues, Dean, he's such an incredible guy, such a loving father, like to watch him be a dad. His kids were in their teens when I met them. And I remember him saying that when you have a child, it is the first time that you experience your heart walking outside of yourself. Mm. And I thought, like, I can't conceptualize that yet because I don't have children but I could understand that was the first way I could really understand yeah. that, that like level of, of love. And I think of my own childhood and, and, you know, your experience of yours. And it's interesting to think like, of course, as a parent, as you said, you're going to make mistakes, your child's going to experience pain. And, and I think of all the things I've been through and they have all served me in some incredible way because I've taken those pains and continue to like, transmute them into expansion into like message into sharing mm-hmm. and and that's when i think about of course it'll be a different one i have kids so this is pre-child thought so yeah, let's man. prepare Pre- this will be documented um <laughs> is that i hope that i can sit with the peace of knowing that i don't need to save them from their pain but i can help at least curate it and create introspection into it because i think of like my first heartbreak and I'm like, man, that'd be like, I, I would never take that back, of course. Um, but to watch a child go through a heartbreak is, it's got to be pretty hard. 
Right. Man, I think my main thing, too, is like, I know what I don't want to give, but I have a much clearer vision of what I do want to give. And it's very simple. Yeah, I just want to make sure that I encourage him to be his to have his own life and just bring love to him and, and just bring compassion. You know, I, I do acknowledge that there's a possibility of like pain and mistakes, but I, I'm choosing to focus on like the success and the wins. And like mm-hmm. when I visualize him, I'm visualize him winning spelling bees. You know, I'm visualizing him just being happy yeah. running around with his friends. Like I'm visualizing him like throwing applesauce all on my walls and just laughing at because he, <laughs> he like knowing I'm gonna have to go clean it up. You know, like so even though yeah. there's like fear there and there's like you know some some things I'm scared of, what I'm like choosing most of the time to focus on is like just the positive uh, and just the love, man. Like that's really what I want to bring. Is just I just want to make sure that. He knows, like, I love him and that I'm trying to always be active in his life and play, like, play an active role. That's one reason I picked this job, too, because I used to work in sales. And mm-hmm. I used to look at my people and and they, I mean, the hours they had were horrible. They never saw their kids or missing, missing these events for their kids. And I just was, you know, I was a younger guy. I was like 23. But I'm just like, yeah, when I have kids, there's no way. Like, I'm not missing yeah. for for this job. For these customers? No, I'm not missing. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not missing. So that's that's one reason why I wanted to be an entrepreneur and, and just, you know, work for myself so I could control my time 100% so I could be yeah. available. You know, when I was a kid, I played football, I ran track. You know, my parents weren't always there. Even on senior night, they weren't there. I ne- I'll never forget that feeling. And I, I'm not my son. I don't want to I don't want to give him that. Like, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be there. I have to be there. I have to be there for him. That's just a, that's a promise I made to myself. Like I have to be there for him. He's got to, he's got to be able to know if he drops a pass or he's trying to score a soccer goal and kicks the ball out of bounds. He's got to be able to know that if I just look over in the stands, dad is going to be right there. I could just mm-hmm. see him, you know? So that that's my commitment to him. Like I, I just have to be present. Well, I'm excited to experience your journey uh, as you share it and, and definitely have you back on here after to get some yeah. idea of <laughs> the transformational, <laughs> you know, like yeah. to get my friends who have children, what they have shared is that it is one of the greatest mirrors of growth and expansion. Cause he, literally this, my friend, uh, Kim, the other day I was reading one of her posts and she said that, uh, she hopes to be more like her child because her child, when she's upset, is upset. When she's happy, she's happy. There's no space between how she feels internally and how she feels externally. And I was like, what a beautiful message from a baby. Her energy, the baby's energy is free. Baby's just like, look, this Freedom. is how I feel. This is what I'm going through. Like, I'm not going to fake it. This is, I'm not happy, you know? But then as adults, we don't do that. Like, how many times do you ask somebody, hey, how's your day going? Oh, yeah, it's good. But like you can see on their face that they're just like <laughs> suffering and like they want to tell you like, oh, let me tell you what's going on. It's like, tell me. Don't tell me everything's good. If <laughs> tell you, the truth. Do some shit. Like what's going on? Let's talk. Yeah, maybe we should all strive to be like babies minus the uh, lack of control of the excrement. But other than yeah, that, but, yeah, the, yeah. but like all that, I think that's a great, the freedom that a child experiences to reconnect to the child within us, you know? Yes, sir. And and that's yes, really what was such a beautiful message you've shared. Well, yes, for those people listening, where do they find you? Because they'll want to find you. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, 
if you guys come to Phoenix, Arizona, I'll be here in one of the coffee shops, parks. Uh, <laughs> if you want to find me uh, online, my name is Sylvester McNutt, and that is my real name. Uh, I got teased my whole life, and it was hilarious. <laughs> Having that name is hilarious because um, it makes you quick. It makes you quick with it because people have jokes, you know? And oh, yeah. I bet. Yeah, it was funny, man, growing merciless, up. Merciless the, guys. Yeah, the easy one was like, oh, McNuggets, like chicken McNuggets. Like, oh, okay, come on, that's third grade. You got to do a little yeah. better that, you know? <laughs> and, um, but yeah, my real name is Sylvester McNutt. Uh, I do have eight books um, that go cover a lot of the different topics we, we talked about. Uh, all of those are on Amazon. Um, I do have a website that, you know, is my, my central hub for the private coaching I do for the podcast, Free Your Energy podcast, um, SylvesterMcNutt.net. There's articles. I post an article on there every Sunday. Um, and on there, you know, I try to just write about different things. So, like, I have one about why you might not need a car. You know, I have one about how to stop overthinking. I just, I love writing and I love exploring ideas. So, I try to just put that stuff on my website. Uh, and then also, I'm on every social media. So, you know, the Indeed, the YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on all the social medias and I'm pretty active on all. I haven't been active for about the last week or so because I have been finishing a book um, and just working on myself. And and I think it's important to, you know, especially, you know, you may want to consider this too, man, being a, a guy who uses media, digital media and using social media for work. It's good to just take a break sometimes and just like realign and recenter. And uh, that's what I'm doing right now, just taking about two weeks off from social media just so I can recenter, realign, just make sure I'm focused. And, you know, being on that phone, man, it's, it's the worst. It, it, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. You know, I um Yeah, I hear you. And for everyone listening, make sure you go pick up one of his books and go check out his Instagram. He's an exceptional writer. Check out his website. If he really resonates his passion and his mission with you, go set up some coaching, find someone to who is where you want to be and, and, and use them as a guide, you know, what a great thing to do and to invest in what you've been through by hiring you as a coach is, is a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. And speaking of what you're saying about the, I have a, a really incredible woman who manages the, the posting of my social media. And so it gives me a chance to take a step back and the, I just bought this phone. I haven't activated it yet because I, I have to get a SIM card for it, but it's called a, I think it's called a free phone or something, but it only texts and calls. Wow. And it is, I, <laughs> I know. And I was like, I can't wait to try this just to see yeah. what it's like. So it only texts and calls and it, it's, it says uh, in the packaging, it says something like, um, Oh yeah, it's called the Light Phone too, and it said the Light Phone is for going light. It is a choice. How will you experience your life today? Appreciate your time. Life is right now, and then it wow. says um, a phone for humans. And I was wow. like, "That's great marketing too, right?" So That's I'm like, marketing. "Man, and look at it's tiny." I'm getting back to old. See, I like that man because I was actually thinking about getting a secondary phone for that reason because my primary phone is like you got business contacts on there and like email social media you have all these things that it's almost like sometimes you get on the phone it's like you enter this vortex you're just like in this consciousness you know yeah you're just and dopamine it's like and there's so much energy it's like this person needs this this person's calling this person is texting hey like don't text me hey call me (laughs) call me and talk to me don't text me hey what are you texting me hey for What, 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 what are we doing here you know and it's just like 
there's just so much energy on the phone that I was just thinking like, you know, I should just get a second phone, give, give that number, that specific number to like my close, close connections, keep it just talking text. And then it's like, you just show me that that already exists. Right. You know, I, I, like Googled it I Googled it because I'm like, I need something that uh, inherently has boundaries because the biology yeah. in me is like, I get on a, I get on one of these and then, you know, you, Instagram naturally curates everything that my brain wants to see. It's like, I don't follow yeah. like booty models and things like that because I am a human and I'm like booty, you know, it's like a booty path. <laughs> yeah. So I instead, I just, I'm like, no, I'm like pretty good about those types of things. Cause I know that my biology will, it'll be an hour later. And I'll be like, I yeah. just spend oh, time in the booty a bit. percent of your day just looking at ass and boobs. And, you know, <laughs> you just be like, damn, I, I, I've spent an hour on this. I've done nothing. Like, and then it's like, you feel so unaccomplished after uh, you just spend an hour scrolling. empty. Like, you're like, ugh. That's why I stopped reading Maxim Magazine back in the day when I was like my early 20s. I'm like, this magazine is not good for anybody. It's so, it's so, it creates these expectations. It's like pornography, you know, it creates these expectations and ideas. They're just not human that you're just like, this isn't, and then you, you can't see the beauty in, in what exists all around you all the time, you know? And you were saying that before, like the, in that concept of like, all the things that are happening all the time. It's amazing how much our brain filters out things that are so beautiful. Like to just see a tree to me is like one of the, it's such an example of resilience. What would you say about sharing your personal life um, versus the boundary of what not to share? How do you determine personally, like where that boundary is, you know, because mm-hmm. you've built an incredible platform, your podcast, uh, you know, your talks that I've seen you do, um, your summit, your, you know, your social medias. I mean, you built an incredible platform by by opening up and sharing stories and being vulnerable. But at the same time, like, how do you draw the line with, OK, I need to keep this sacred to me or keep this personal to me? That's a great question. I mean, it's one that I've certainly danced in. It's like, would I... Because, you know, the more uh, successful a platform, the less anonymity you have, you know, essentially. And I I was really thinking about that of like, you can't just walk down the street anymore if you become, you know, large enough, recognizable enough. And I thought, would I trade anonymity for impact? Because that's ultimately what you do. And I was like, yes, I would, because the mission is too great. You know, the mission is too great. And... There is a line be- for me between transparency and privacy. And those are, you know, things that people haven't earned the right to, you know, it's like, I never want to overshare. Um, I know in our break, in my breakup, there was things that I was like, hey, can I share this? Can I not? You know, just really honoring this, the, the sacredness of the union um, more yeah. than anything. And that to me is, you know, I've thought about this. Uh, one of my really good friends is a fairly famous person and his child is not on, if he posts a picture with his son, his son's face is never in it because he doesn't want to remove his child's choice to have privacy. And that's thought, exactly that's what I, that's exactly why I was asking you. Yep. That's exactly why I was asking you because I'm at this crossroads right now where I'm transitioning to making more video content consistently because you know, being a writer is great, but I want people to feel me. I want them to see what I'm saying. I You're want a great them to speaker too. You know, 
And so I've been, I have about 30 videos that I just recorded over the last two weeks. I've been editing. But what I'm thinking about is the future, right? As a creator, you got to think about the future. I'm about to have my son and I've been thinking, do I want to make content with him or do I want to make content talking about, you know, my journey as a parent, which I know for a fact I'm going to write about it. I know for a fact I'm going to write about it, but I've been thinking about, do I want him in the videos? And like, part of me doesn't, does not want him on social media at all. Part of me, like, I want to protect him. Like, I don't want his image out there. I want him to be protected. And it's something that I've been personally struggling with. Like, how do I potentially incorporate the, my journey as a parent, but still respect you know, the mother and the kids and not necessarily just bring them into my world because they didn't mm-hmm. sign up for, for this. You know what I mean? Well, they signed up for a version of it. But yes, I hear what you're saying. Like when you choose Sylvester McNutt, you choose uh, you choose radical openness, you know, in, in that sense. So you don't get the parts of you that that they that that really are cultivated through your work and, and then not the parts that the work comes with. You know what I'm saying? Um. And with that, I mean, it's a, you could just feel into it as you go through it. I mean, you can make the decision in real time. You know, I I would imagine that it's pretty hard to identify a child, a baby when they're older. So maybe in the first parts, it's about that. Or maybe, (laughs) maybe you're holding him and, and his face isn't in it, but that, that you get to choose. I mean, that's the, yeah, I do. It's an interesting kind because I don't have a kid yet. And when I do have one, that's going to be in- interesting. Do you post a family picture with all of you and preserve, yeah. you know, like, and put, you're really removing the choice for the child, but at the same time is the future of our lives really that, you know, it's really an interesting time. Man. People well, are going to learn time through I'm it. The, next time I come on the show, man, let's, uh, let's talk about that. Dude, I can't wait. I'm really excited. And thank you so much for your time. Like it's been such a beautiful conversation and one that has been a long time coming. Uh, I'm really grateful that you made the time. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you for bringing me on. And I'm very happy to just know you, man, connect with you. We talk plenty of times on like DM talking about doing potential work and like, I just, any way I can help you work with you, build whatever, man, just let me know if you got an event you want me to be there, just scream and I'll do it, man. Like, I love what you're doing. I love that you're also a guy and you're doing what doing what you're doing. So I'm I'm down with whatever you want to do. Right back at you, man. I love what you're doing and um I I'm so grateful that you're on here and let me know how I can support you in any way. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you.